Our two scripture passages today, uh, the first comes from Jeremiah chapter 17 and the second from Luke chapter 6. Thus says the Lord, cursed are those who trust in mere mortals and make mere flesh their strength, whose hearts turn away from the Lord, they shall be like a shrub in the desert and shall not see when relief comes. They shall live in the parched places of the wilderness in an uninhabited salt land. Blessed are those who trust in the Lord, whose trust is the Lord. They shall be like a tree planted by water, sending out its roots by the stream. It shall not fear when heat comes and its leaves shall stay green. In the year of drought, it is not anxious and it does not cease to bear fruit. The heart is devious above all else. It is perverse. Who can understand it? I, the Lord, test the mind and search the heart to give to all according to their ways, according to the fruit of their doings. Now he came down with them and stood on a level place with a great crowd of his disciples and a great multitude of people from all Judea, Jerusalem, and the coast of Tyre and Sidon. They had come to hear him and to be healed of their diseases, and those who were troubled with unclean spirits were cured. And all in the crowd were trying to touch him, for power came out from him and healed all of them. And then he looked up at his disciples and said, Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who are hungry now, for you will be filled. Blessed are you who weep now, for you will laugh. Blessed are you when people hate you and when they exclude you, revile you, and defame you on account of the Son of Man. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy, for surely your reward is great in heaven, for that is what their ancestors did to the prophets. But woe to you who are rich, for you have received your consolation. Woe to you who are full now, for you will be hungry. Woe to you who are laughing now, for you will mourn and weep. Woe to you when all speak well of you, for that is what their ancestors did to the false prophets. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to you. Thank you, Andrew. And I meant to mention earlier today is Boy Scout, Cub Scout Sunday, but with this next week being a break week for most of our schools, a lot of our scouts are not here. We had uh, one young fellow just a moment ago who went with the children, I believe, and went with Miss Andrea. But let me ask if any of our scouts, Cub Scouts, Boy Scouts are here, or if any of you are part of scouting when you were younger or as an adult leader, if you would stand for just a moment and let us recognize you. Any scout folk here today? All right, thank you so much. Yes. <laughs> Scouting was a huge part of my life, and uh, I know it's been a blessing to many boys, many families across the years, and we pray for scouting in the days to come. While not completely ignoring our gospel lesson for today, I do want to turn most of my thoughts to our Old Testament lesson, words of our old friend Jeremiah, 
the prophet, not the bullfrog. This small slice of a 52-chapter book, just the passage that Andrew read, is just a little bit of one of the lengthier books in Scripture. It seems to be consumed, this passage does, with the whole notion of trust. And there seems to be a lot more contrasting going on here than comparing. An example, verse 5, Thus says the Lord, Cursed are those who trust in mere mortals and make mere flesh their strength, who hearts turn away from the Lord. And then in contrast to that, verse 7, Blessed are those who trust in the Lord, whose trust is the Lord. And there's a story I wanted to use today, and I spent no small amount of time trying to decide where to locate the story. Should it be at the beginning of the message or somewhere in the middle or somewhere near the close? The only option that was not on the table was to leave the story out altogether. It's just a story I remembered and meant a lot to me since I first heard it. It's a story that I have borrowed from a colleague and a friend of mine, a retired United Methodist pastor, Bob Willis. So I decided to front load the story and tell it in his words right now. He said, years ago in another world and another life, I worked for the Louisville and Nashville Railroad Company as a freight agent. I worked in freight depots, most of the depots between Knoxville and Atlanta during this time. Church, religion, and especially theology were not my favorite things to talk about, did not make my favorite top 10 list. While working at Cartersville, Georgia, I met a black man named Charlie who also worked for the railroad. His job was in the freight yard doing maintenance on the train cars, making sure that they were in good condition to travel. Charlie was a man of few words. Some people laughed at him thinking he was a simple man with little education. His favorite phrase in the entire world was, everything gonna be all right. I remember thinking, Charlie, why don't you learn to live in the real world? I interpreted his response as simple, immature, and foolish. You see, I knew better. I knew that everything was not all right. I knew that Charlie's life was tough. He was married with five children. He had difficulty making ends meet from one end to another, and discrimination was very much a part of his life. Everything going to be all right indeed. Who was he trying to fool? One day, Charlie and I had a conversation out in the yard while he was on a break, and I began to question him about his simple, overused phrase. I explained to him that if he would just look around at the world as it is, he would know that his favorite phrase was trite and meaningless. Charlie began to speak in a soft voice, as though he were afraid someone would overhear our conversation. He said, I trust in my Lord Jesus. I don't look at the world the way it is, but how I think Jesus would like for it to be. And you know, no matter how bad things get here, I have a hope that they will be better. And even if they don't get better here, I believe in my heart that one day I'll meet Jesus face to face and they will be better. That's what I believe. And I believe the day will come when everything gonna be all right. Charlie was transformed right before my eyes that day from maintenance man to theologian. I said, no more. 
Got up, went back to my office and tried to work, but his words would not go away. And the next day when I got to the office, Charlie was standing outside looking in through the window. I raised the window and said, morning, how you doing today? Or no, I'm sorry, that's what Charlie said to me. I smiled at Charlie and then I heard myself saying to him, hey Charlie, everything gonna be all right. Amen, he said, and, and he went back to work. It's strange how a word or a simple phrase uttered by someone you hardly know may stay with you for a lifetime. Charlie trusted in his Lord Jesus. And that's how he knew that everything gonna be all right as individuals, as the body of Christ. Where is our ultimate trust? It's a simple question and we deal with it from time to time, but just thought maybe we need to talk about that for a little bit today. Jeremiah prompted me. Returning to our passage, did Brother Jeremiah really believe that we should not trust anyone else in this world, not trust other folks ever? Cursed are those who trust in mere mortals, he said. I suspect that if we were to go around this magnificent room this morning and ask everyone present to share a story of when someone else had broken trust with them or when one of us had broken trust with someone else, if we did that, I suspect we would be here most of the afternoon and we better order the pizza now before the Super Bowl party crowd gets ahead of us. Is that what the prophet of old had in mind? That we should never trust another mortal on this planet? Perhaps the entirety of verse five can clear this up. Thus says the Lord, cursed are those who trust in mere mortals and make mere flesh their strength, whose hearts turn away from the Lord. I think I hear Jeremiah saying, don't put so much trust in other folks that we turn our hearts away from the Lord and don't trust God, that we become like a shrub in the desert that is shriveling and drying up because of the drought, because of a severe lack of moisture. Now seriously, I don't believe that Jeremiah is downplaying the significance of vital human relationships. How can we hope to lead full and abundant and joyful lives if there are no people in our lives in whom we can put much trust? I cannot, merit, I cannot imagine a marriage, a life-giving marriage without a high level of trust. I cannot imagine a career or a job that brings great satisfaction and meaning into our life unless there's a trust at every level of the organization for whom we work. And then there is the prominent role that trust plays in every other aspect of our life. I started thinking, would anyone ever set foot on an airplane unless you had complete trust in the pilot and in the mechanics who maintain that aircraft, and in the air traffic controllers who made sure that two planes were not in the same place at the same time. Would we ever walk into a grocery store or a church building unless we had a certain amount of trust in the architects and the engineers and the contractors who built those buildings? But what about ultimate trust? 
the most important trust. Again, verses 7 and 8 from our passage. Blessed are those whose trust in the Lord, whose trust is the Lord. He, he sort of repeats himself here. They shall be like a tree planted by water, sending out its roots by the stream. It shall not fear when the heat comes, and its leaves shall stay green. In the year of drought, it is not anxious, and it does not cease to bear fruit. There's a similar passage to this in Psalm 1 and verse 3. They are like trees planted by streams of water, which yield their fruit in its season. Most of the commentaries that I consulted agreed that this passage from Jeremiah was probably written before the one from Psalm 1. And then Psalm 37 says the same thing in a different way. Verses 3 through 5, ultimate trust. Trust in the Lord and do good, and you will live in the land and enjoy security. Take delight in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him, and he will act. Trust in the Lord and become like trees planted by a stream, flowing water, living water. Water. Living water in Scripture represents the grace of God. Jesus told the woman at the well in Samaria, if you remember that story, everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But those who drink of the water that I give them will never be thirsty. The water that I give will become in them a spring of water gushing up to eternal life. And later in John's gospel, Jesus cries out, let anyone who is thirsty come to me and let the one who believes in me drink. As the scripture has said, out of the believer's heart shall flow rivers of living water. Living water, leaning on the grace of God. I had a retired pastor friend in my last appointment, Charles Barnes, and some of you may have Cross paths with him somewhere along the way, and Charles and I did more memorial services together than, than I can remember, than I can count. And he always would refer to these passages about streams of living water, like a tree planted by the waters. And he would talk about folks in eloquent ways, saying that they had lived their lives by the streams with their roots running deep and the living water being a part of their lives. It was so real and so true. In the book of Acts, we learned that if there was a synagogue in a village, that's where people would gather to worship. But if there was no synagogue, no structure, the believers would gather. They would congregate by a stream or by a river where the flowing waters represented the grace of God. And it happened over and over again. And we still sing about that when we sing, shall we gather at the river? That's where that comes from ultimate trust watered by the grace of God and we are then blessed to be a blessing let me just a couple of verses here from the book of Acts a story about this river and gathering by the stream there there are a lot of them here and I would encourage you to look for some of the others Acts 16 beginning with verse 11 we set sail from Troas and took a straight course to Samothrace the following day to Neapolis and from there to Philippi, which is a leading city of the district of Macedonia and a Roman colony. We remained in this city for some days. On the Sabbath day, we went outside the gate by the river where we supposed that there was a place of prayer. 
And we sat down and spoke to the women who had gathered there. A certain woman named Lydia, a worshiper of God, was listening to us. She was from the city of Thyatira and a dealer in purple cloth. The Lord opened her heart to listen eagerly to what was said by Paul. When she and her household were baptized in the river, in the stream, I'm sure, she urged us saying, if you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come and stay at my home. And she prevailed upon us down by the river, flowing water, the grace of God, roots run deep and lives were changed. And folks were baptized by those waters and became followers of the Christ. When I took a look at the backstory for our closing hymn today, Trust and Obey, I stumbled over another hymn that was in that book where the writer was talking about the, the history of hymns and the story and how they came to be. And it was called Just Trusting Jesus, very simply. I don't know if you know that hymn. I was not familiar with it. But commenting on that hymn, Kenneth Osbeck said that he had read an article by a medical doctor who told of examining an increasing number of patients with various alleged symptoms and of how he finally had to coin a new phrase in order to determine a diagnosis. And he called that diagnosis inculpability. Inculpability. He said these were folks who had led a pretty good life, no apparent physical malady, but somehow just were unable to cope with the pressure and the pain and the problems of contemporary life. And tragically, this inculpability, if that's a real word in turn, often triggers a whole chain reaction of physical, emotional, and spiritual responses, which can be devastating to our lives. How important then that we allow something as simple as a story from Acts or a gospel hymn to speak to our hearts regarding trust. This hymn uses a phrase that we use a lot today. It begins simply trusting every day, trusting through a stormy way, even when my faith is small, trusting Jesus, that is all. Singing if my way is clear, praying if the path be drear, if in danger for him call, trusting Jesus, that is all. Trust in my Lord Jesus and everything is going to be all right. And like a tree planted by the water, we shall not be moved. I think I've, I've used this story before. I know I have in memorial services, but when I read that again, everything going to be all right, I remember the movie. I think it's the best exotic Marigold Hotel, if you saw that and you remember the young man in that movie. And one of the phrases that he utters just has really stuck with me when he said, everything going to be all right in the end. And if it's not all right, it's not the end. Trusting in my Lord Jesus and everything going to be all right. Amen.